0: Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I my money at a fast pace.
1: All right, welcome to say hello to the bad guy. I'm your host Locke and this is part two. ...of the Paul Castellano story. So when we left off, Paul had took over as the boss. But basically the boss of a family divided into factions. He had a faction following his underboss, Neil Delacroach... ...who was a lot of the guys that come up as street gangsters... ...robbing and stealing. And then he had a lot of the more business-oriented criminals. Now besides Neil, another thing keeping Paul in power... ...was a guy named Roy DeMeo... So even though they had most of the street guys, Paul had Roy DeMeo. And uh, Roy DeMeo was a psychopathic killer. <laughs> oh, no, sure.
2: Well, that works, because well, Paul's the business guy, not really all into the muscle side. So you need a serial killer to balance it out.
1: So I'm not going to go too into Roy DeMeo because we recently had a request for one of our listeners. So we're going to cover Roy DeMeo in an episode by himself. Okay. So we won't get too into him, but you guys got to know a little bit about him to understand the story. A little pinch of Roy. Here's the the Roy DeMeo teaser trailer for when that episode comes out. Oh, yeah. So he's a psychopathic killer, and he owned a club called the Gemini, which he used as his base operations. So him and his crew, they acted as an execution squad working out of his clubs. And they used a special body disposal routine known as the Gemini Method. Hmm. So basically, these guys made fucking Tommy Karate look like a Care Bear. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn. Their motto was no body, no murder. So they get guys in the Gemini Club. They kill him, chop his body. You know, they had their whole method to hang him upside
0: down.
1: Like, as I said, we won't get into it. So they had their whole method, and then they just completely, the body would disappear. So... Nobody, no murder, and that was the Gemini method. Oh, Damn, something. I'm I'm no. I'm
3: usually not into this, man, but I'm so fucking in, I'm looking up the Gemini method after I after this episode, that's for sure.
0: They made sausages <clears> off. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking
3: like acid pigs, like how are we getting rid of it? Who knows.
1: So the crew is attributed to as many as 250 murders. You'd oh, think at that shit. point people stop going to that club. <laughs> right? <laughs> you would think.
2: Hey, I, I got invited to the Gemini Club. Like, oh, okay, brother. Uh, I guess I won't be seeing you anymore.
3: Not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little dark for us.
2: mock <laughs> <laughs>
3: 250. Holy shit.
1: So well, That's a good guy to have on your side. Yeah. So Murder, Inc. is kind of, they say, around 252. But there was also this giant family in, of, in and of itself. Like, his crew was, like, a little crew of people that work for him. So, we're talking about, like, three or four dudes. And, like, he was very hands-on. So, we're talking about 250. A lot of these, he's right there. Okay. You know what I mean? So, like I said, they have all the muscle, and he's he's got Roy DeMeo. And, Roy DeMeo was so crazy that they didn't want to let him get made. Because they're like, well, this guy's a fucking psychopathic murderer. But, in addition to being an executioner, he had, like, a real profitable car theft ring. He also secured an alliance with a group that's called the Westies from Hell's Kitchen, an Irish mob. They were moving in on construction. They were, you know, they are wild, like shooting it out like it's the Wild West, but it's the 70s. (laughs) You know, that kind of shit. Wow. Oh, that sounds crazy. So Roy DeMeo, not only does he have this this auto theft ring, he's able to work out this deal with the Westies where he's like, look, I'm the point, man. You guys got to get your shit under control. You're going to work as a wing of the Gambino's. In return, we'll throw you work, but you have to follow these rules. So they're like, all right, deal. We'll do it. So this is like a huge win for Paul. So he ends up agreeing like, okay, we got to make Roy Mayo because he's bringing in the Westies. And he bring it, he's bringing in a bunch of money. Like, I like my money from construction and businesses and union deals. His is from stealing cars, but whatever. I need a couple of these guys, I guess. And he has the Westies. So now he's kind of putting together like a small army, Okay. of guys off to the side kind of insulate himself in case war pops off yeah yeah so has
3: got to be loving this
2: shit when you if you're paul you definitely know their sides you don't just think nope i'm
1: gonna have everything like it's probably clear that yeah. something's like yeah, he's fuck.
3: made it to that point yeah he's smart
1: Hell yeah. right so he gets roy de made now paul was already a millionaire but now his boss he was making money by the truckload like, sometimes literally by the truckload. Like, uh, they had a Sammy Bull story where he's talking about having to, to move it. And uh, some of his money, and they're moving it in suitcases and uh, setting it up on a table in, like, hundreds and 20s and by different denominations. And he was actually nervous. He's like, dude, please tell me we don't got to count this. And Sammy DeBull says, I've done cash deals, $2 million, and I've never seen money like this. God damn. Like, mega millions, they use as a term. <laughs> so... He builds himself a 17-bedroom mansion on Staten Island, which he named the White House. Of course. Um, It fucking one key. It had an Olympic-sized swimming pool, um, an English garden. Talk about fuck you money. (laughs)
2: Jesus Christ.
1: And one of the things that made him close was Sammy the Bull. Sammy the Bull was a construction guy, and he had a plumbing crew. Paul was having an issue where the house was so big, he couldn't get hot water in one of his showers. So he brought his Sammy Bulls like, look, I got guys I could bring in that are there with me. And uh, the guy was like a master plumber is like, no, the problem is just too far. No matter what, by the time it leaves the hot water tank and travels that far, it's only going to be so hot. So he come up with this like coil system thing. And Paul Castellano was like, dude, I got the best builders. Why is Sammy the Bulls guy telling me how to fix my fucking hot water problem? Because you
0: ain't yeah. really got the best. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another bedroom over there, a football
2: field away. Fuck yeah,
0: we can do that. Imagine <laughs> Wi-Fi in our house. These <laughs> All
2: right. I wonder what that house, like, what do they use that for today?
3: Some um, rich
1: motherfucker probably owns it. Hillary Clinton tried to rent it for a fundraiser not too long ago. Okay. That's like the newest thing I find on it when I look into it. Gotcha. So, in his big, beautiful house, Paul slowly starts becoming more reclusive. He started making his guys drive out to him in Staten Island. A lot of this, he thought he was being safer. He's like, "Well, if I'm not out all kinds of places, I can't get caught." But it actually made him easier to track because he never went anywhere, hmm. you know. Oh uh, yeah,
0: makes sense.
1: And then he also started making everybody come to him.
3: Right, making a block hot.
1: Most of these guys hate it because, for one, I don't know if you had to go to Staten Island, but for, you got to get on a ferry just to go there. Most of these guys, they're in Brooklyn, they're in the Bronx, and uh, now whenever they got to deal with Paul, you know, they got to hoof it out to the White House. He'd hold meetings at his kitchen table. He had like a giant kitchen table, like an old fucking
3: Justice League table.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Now, like
2: maybe if he held it like once a month, I'd be like, finally, I get to go to dinner, you know, like, all that. Now, if
1: it's once a week, I would be upset too. Well, and then it also sucks because not only do they got to do it, they're pulling up to it and they're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. I, I extort fucking arcades for a mm, living, yeah. and you live in this mansion with yeah. the. To Here's my envelope over
3: here, motherfucker.
1: Here's my envelope of money. Yeah. What? What the fuck am I doing here? Right. So he'd hold the meetings at his kitchen table. Eventually, he got lazier. Sometimes he'd he'd show up in like silk robes and velvet slippers and shit.
3: Like, go. Oh. You did it now, Paul. That's when you. That's when you. Uh, you know. That's when you enter that that fucking zone. It's like, you start giving no fucks enough to that. Like, yep. Uh, ride a boat. Show up to my fucking palatial estate with your penance, and then not only that, I'm gonna meet you in my fucking pajamas. Like, all right, dude. Like, you're you're wearing out your welcome, bro. Yeah. You're lucky you got the fucking two fifty guys behind you. Goddamn it.
1: Well, so then he makes a series of mistakes that creates, like, even more animosity between him and his family. One of the things that, it was real old school, it came over from Carlo, but, you know, now we're in the 70s and 80s and shit, but it was, uh, you know, Carlo's edict was, you deal, you die. No deal in drugs. And Paul Castellano was like, yeah, we're riding with that. Which was an old school thing, and even old school, it was kind of bullshit. But, you know, a lot of the families went with it. By now, 70s and 80s, Drugs was kind of the primary earner, but every, but they were still trying to distance himself. But Paul was like, straight up, no drugs. Now, that affected the most the guys under Neil, who were like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do then, Paul? Yeah. I don't own a chicken company, so what am I supposed to do? He also decided to bump everyone's kickups from 10% to 15%. <laughs> Getting greedy. Pinching them on both ends, Paul. Fuck. Don't, don't sell drugs, but I need more money. Yeah. And then even the stuff he'd distribute to his top guys, a lot of people say that Paul kept up to five times as much as Carlo did for himself. Carlo, the reason, it turns out he was respected for decades, was he was rich. Like, he kept enough to be rich as fuck, but he made sure everybody was happy under him. Paul was like, you know, if I keep them hungry, they'll keep hustling, you know what I mean? And just men's approach. I'll just keep, you know, I'll keep breaking in the money. He's a true capitalist, Yeah, Paul is. So they all hate this, and they all hate this. Like even his guys are like, "What the fuck, Paul? I mean, that's no matter who you are, that's that's your yeah. boat this year or your bonus or whatever. That's a significant chunk of money."
3: And you know the people closer to Carlo fucking knew this shit. So the, any of the hanger-ons that stuck on Paul's side, I mean, they they fucking knew it. And that's that's kind of shit that don't fly when you get the higher ups pissed off.
1: He also got a little bit of bloodthirsty, but he was never really that guy. And he still didn't have the stomach for it. He didn't leave his house. But he he had one of his daughter's boyfriends killed for making a joke, comparing him to Frank Perdue, the chicken spokesman. Huh. <laughs> so he had him murdered for that. Wow. Solid joke, but big mistake. <laughs> it turns out Big Paul does not think that's funny yeah. at all. And no, he is not a killer, but you know who he knows? Roy fucking DeMeo.
3: Yeah, he's got plenty of money. He doesn't need to fucking worry about it.
2: Well, it was his daughter's boyfriend, but it was also his nephew.
1: <laughs> well, and
3: <laughs> I see what you did there.
1: <laughs> the uh the boyfriend should have paid more attention because then his daughter eventually gets married and she ma- marries kind of a shithead dude and uh he was like a scumbag who would cheat on her and uh might have smacked her around or whatever, but Paul just didn't like him. He was a loser and uh she gets pregnant, has a mas- miscarriage, and Paul's kind of like probably cuz he beat her. So he had Roy De kill him. <laughs> and his body disappeared, never seen him. Damn yeah. She- Another dude he killed, he ordered a hit on Nicholas Scabetta, who was a brother-in-law of one of his loyalists, Sammy the, Bull, Sammy the Bull Gravano. And he actually had Sammy the Bull's mentor, like, hey, just so we don't have problems, I need you to do me a favor and let Sammy the Bull know we're about to whack his brother-in-law. Damn. Wow. And Sammy the, Bull, Sammy, Sammy the Bull threw a fit. He said, I'll, he said, fuck that. Like, I'll kill all these motherfuckers. And uh, eventually his mentor had to basically pull, like, a kneel and, like, whoa, look, he did fuck up, and this is what we do. It was, it was something that stuck with them, but it's like, you know, when your boss tells you, nope, you have to work that fucking Saturday.
3: Yeah. No, you can't take the heat, get out the kitchen, man. I mean, it's one fuck, it's still, it's tough one, but still, Hey, yeah, you signed up for that fucking race.
1: But that also made these guys like a lot of them respect them even less. Cause they're like, all right, this guy's never been a gangster. And then now all of a sudden he wants to whack this guy. All of a sudden we're whacking everybody. And then it turned into a thing They're like, OK, so not only does he want to kill everybody and he ain't never killed nobody. Like, he's not that guy. But they're like, at the end of the day, it's because he's not any good. Like, we used to ask for sit downs and people would fix sit downs. Now he can't settle disputes. He can't do anything. He's just like, I don't know. Oh, all who, right. who, who Who's making more money? Kill the other guy. <laughs> he can't fix it. He don't know what he's doing. He doesn't really care. So he's just like he's having people killed left and right. They don't like that. And, like, now, like I said, now it's getting past even the other guys. Even his guys are like, what the fuck are we doing? He starts having an affair with his Colombian maid, Gloria Alarte. Uh-oh. So his, his wife hires a 30-year-old maid, like, a live-in maid. Sweet. And he's old as fuck, and uh, he starts hitting on her and shit. She didn't speak English, and they had, like, this machine that they would kind of translate, and he started, like, hitting on her through that and shit. Google Translator? So they start having an affair and he starts cheating on his wife with his, uh, his not maid. Colombian maid, and she, yeah. Uh, it's not too hot. No. I should have posted some pictures. I don't know. I don't want to be mean.
3: Well, hey, when you're his age, 30 right. years old is hot. Yeah. That's creepy. Wet. I'm sorry. That's not
1: dirty creepy. As dirty one. 30. <clears throat> yeah. And the more I hear about
3: old Paul, I think he was just like a happy idiot, like a lucky idiot. You know what I mean? You know, like at first, like I thought he was like some kind of like smarter than average person. Like sounds like
1: maybe he isn't so savvy. <laughs> So he starts sleeping with his mistress, and he falls like, he falls like madly in love with her. Like eventually, like him and his wife aren't cool no more. At at some point, like they were sleeping in different bedrooms and shit. Like put it this way, at one point they started saying to, to people that don't know what's going on, they're like, "Oh, she's kind of the lady of the house now." So this pissed off the guys a lot because they're like traditionalists. So they found it disrespectful. Not that he was cheating on his wife, because most of them did that, but it was because he was disrespecting her by doing it under her roof. And then also, so this is probably one of his biggest mistakes. This is a true story. So, due to his diabetes, he wasn't able to get it up anymore. But he's got this new mistress that he's in love with, you know what I mean? So, he's got to fucking please her. He gets a penis pump installed, and it works.
3: Installed? Yeah. Oh, like in his shit. Yeah. So well,
1: yeah, because it's like oh, the '80s. So it's like some. I was like thinking some... of
3: like fucking Austin Powers one where it was exterior. I didn't even know about in what the fuck.
1: Yeah. So he gets kind of some penis things set up in there what and shit. The fuck. Ouch. And it works, and he fucking loves it so much that he starts telling his boys and shit. He's like, "Dude, I found my passion again. I love her. I got this penis pump, and it works. And I'm banging the shit out of her." And all these mobsters are like, "It's pretty weird, Paul." <laughs> Yeah. Like, Paul, that's,
3: that's the fifth or sixth strike, my friend. Three, and you're supposed to be out. But, like, you're doing shit. All right, he's got to
2: go. go. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> that's the least gangster thing you said all
1: year. So, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Um. <laughs> like... <laughs> Hey, it's a part of the Paul Castellano story. I can't tell this. Well, because ultimately, all these guys, they're all getting fed up with them. But this is where they're like, you know, they're like super macho. They're like, oh, so he's not even a man. He's not even. Get your dick hard like a true mafioso, okay? (laughs) In the early 80s, one of Roy DeMeo's car thieves get arrested and flip on Roy. Roy DeMeo finds out and he's like, well, fuck. I gotta let Paul know. So he goes to Roy and he's like, look, I just want to let you know. I had a guy, he might have rolled, whatever, it's on me. I'm going to fight it, but I'll take it, whatever happens, you know what I mean? And Paul decides, he says, you know what, I think he's going to flip. We need to take him out. He's got this theft ring, and now they're stealing cars, I'm going to go to fucking court for fucking car theft and shit? Yeah. So let's kill Roy DeMeo. Oh,
3: man.
1: It's actually rumored that some of the captains that he brought in to do it were like, ah, nah, I'm straight, bro. It's Roy? like those movies where they're trying to find the warrior who's got enough nuts yeah. to step in, you know? Well, that guy was Nino Gaji. He's right. like, I got, I'm, I'm down. Nice. I'll kill him. Yeah. He invited him to his uh, like, his auto spot, saying, hey, you see if we can set this up as a good chop shop. And as soon as he walked in, just plugged him in the head like five times. All oh, right. Man. But then, now once Roy was gone, John Gotti was like, thanks, I appreciate it. Right. You set that pick and I'm going straight to the <laughs> hole with this slam dunk, motherfucker. <laughs> So now he secures an alliance, and he gets several influential members from Paul's faction, too. So even Paul's guys are like, yeah, I'm down. What do we got to do? What's the plan? How do we take him out?
3: You had me when he said he got a penis pump.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that same year, 1983, John Gotti's closest friend and a soldier, Angelo Quack Quack Ruggiero. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> quack quack, huh? Yeah. Quack quack. You know why they called him Quack Quack? Because yeah. he couldn't shut the fuck up. All man. right, all right. <laughs>
3: I, was gonna, I knew it had to be something. Because yeah, all right, that's yeah. the last
1: guy you want to go to court. Like, oh, who they get? Quack hey. quack. Quack quack. Oh quack, uh,
3: fuck, we're all going to jail. Fucked.
1: Quack quack. Turns out he was caught talking on a wire in his house. <laughs> 600 hours Yeah. the fucking <laughs> oh, day yeah. then him and uh, John Gotti's brother Gene both get arrested for heroin trafficking just picture like
2: yeah I went over there and there's giant marble all this
1: he told me about his penis pump oh we're about to kill him though <laughs> it Kevin. well it's funny you say that because in addition to non-stop talking about how much <laughs> drugs he sells <laughs> he would talk non-stop about how much he hated Paul Okay. So they had 600 hours of him talking about selling heroin and making fun of Paul Castellano. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all he did for like the whole tapes. So it was Damn. like so much shit.
3: That's awesome. Cause I, I said that before you said like, I was like, you had me when you said he had a penis pump. I'm in. And it was like, it turns out he fucking was. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh shit. Your penis pump comes to get you, Paul. you fucked up. One too many fucking slip ups, buddy. <laughs>
1: So this gets back to Paul and he's furious and he's like, "Dude, so we gotta eliminate Angelo. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna demote Gotti. We're gonna dismember the crew, disband the crew. You know what I mean? These fuckers are done, all of them. Yeah, because you know I mean? he
3: said no drugs, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: He's like, no drugs, no fucking drugs. And Neil steps in and uh, he says, "Well, look, that's just what the government's saying, and we know we can't trust the government, so we need to hear the tapes before we can make that decision." So Paul says, "All right, you get me the tapes." And we'll listen to the tapes and then we'll decide what to do from there. And this turns into a big thing, and he always pushes it off as like a legal thing. Like, oh, we can't get it through the lawyers, blah, blah, blah. but we're trying. Well, yeah. We're going to get you the tapes. Yeah, what, what the fuck are you talking about, Neil? We need to get the tapes. Like, where are <laughs> you getting this shit from? Well, no,
3: Paul's telling Neil to get the tapes. I know, shit. that's what I'm saying. Like, where the fuck does he think he can get the fucking tapes from? Well, but I, I guess... guess you're right. At that point, he just said, hey, we need to wait in here. And Paul was probably putting it on him then. Well, all right, get the tapes if you want to b- buy your boy some time.
1: Paul agrees, but they broke the no fucking, the no drugs rule. Now they're in fucking trouble and I want to hear the tapes and Neil. He's got his respect, but it can only go so far. So Paul's like, look, I get it, but what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So, Cause
3: at the end of the day, he's still, he's still above him.
1: Yeah. He's the boss. The tapes gave FBI information. They needed to get a warrant to bug Paul Castellano's house. And since Paul Castellano never left, they knew exactly what they had to bug problem was he never left to the point where he was always there. He always had a security. They could not figure out how to get in to bug it. Okay. One thing they started doing, the FBI started uh, following around Gloria Larte, and they scared her. At first, she thought she was going to get deported, but so then they, started, they made friends with her, and they would just take her out to coffee, but they would just talk to her about stuff to get information, and they found out that he took all his meetings at the kitchen table. So they're like, okay, we got to figure out how to get this bug on the kitchen table.
3: She got smart and divorced his first wife and married her, and then that way, boom. Came, right. Yep. And and citizenship.
1: Right. Instead, scared. she's just the cleaning lady that he's yeah. banging on the side with some weird penis, pump. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing any way to get in, what they did was they took an agent, one of their lead tech guys, and they had him trained as a cable repairman. And then they scrambled the cable signal into in, into his house. And then when the call went out for a repairman, they sent the FBI agents in to repair it. Right. And Paul Fucking was genius. Paul was super careful, and he was like. He had his boy, Tommy Bellotti, and he was like, follow him everywhere he goes. Never fucking leave his side. Follow him everywhere. And the guy followed him to every single TV. And then he finally gets down near the kitchen and he's messing with some stuff. And he's like, whatever it is, it's over this spot behind these cabinets. And they're like, well, then, you know, get back there and fix it. Go
3: fix that shit.
1: Kind of to sell it. The FBI agent. He's like, no, nah, fuck that. That's too much work. I ain't doing that. I, gotta, I got more jobs. I got to get home. This will take all day. I'm out. And they forced him. They're like, no, you're going to do this right now. We're not coming back and having more people in here. You're going to fix it now. And he's like, kept looking at his watch. And he's like, fuck. And he had them help him take the cabinets down and shit. And then uh, as they're doing all that, they're not watching his every move because they're doing all this fucking cabinet movement and shit. And he snuck a bug into the kitchen cabinets. No shit. When he was done and had it fixed, he made the signal. And then they unscrambled the signal and the cable started working. And he was like, all right, told you to fix it. It was behind those cabinets there. And fucking bounced out. And now they got a wire right in his kitchen. So this leads to multiple indictments. So they get they get hours of him just talking high level shit with his highest level guys, you know, right at his table talking business and stuff. And it leads to several multiple indictments. So on March 30th, 1984, he was arrested on uh, RICO charges, and he was released on two million dollars bail. And then on February 25th, he was one of twelve mob leaders charged in the Mafia Commission trial, where he was released on another three million. On bail. So, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
4: Me, i'm tearing you down with me spit like the baron rulers of bread like Kaiser. roll with the goal of get beaten like outsiders these amateur animals swing in the wrong jungle climbing the wrong vines mean these lions will snuff you concrete wilderness building our own structures Writing our own order appointing our own judges overthrowing authority morally lack conscience fighting for survival with rivals with throat punches The lights create an atmosphere Water in your lungs You pray for death But life is here You're about to die Face it You're about to die Zero sand in your glass Fuck it You can't even cry Put a dagger to your neck Just to keep yourself in check Put a dagger to your neck Just to keep yourself in check Everybody grab a side As you fight to stay alive Dancing on a hand grenade So you can die and they survive Silver bullets in the sky Dropping seven second death Scattering the children Run Rub until there's nothing left in the water, sons and daughters hold the flags up high. Wallow in the harbor as the military tanks arrive. Penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals. Oh, okay.
1: So support for say hello to the bad guys brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's blow the waist grooming. They offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you: 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. We got, we all got the performance kits. You guys all got your kits, right? I ask that every show. I know you guys got them. (laughs) My bad. But yeah, it's uh, if you get the performance kit, that's like the Cadillac package. You get the lawnmower 4.0. You get the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. You get the crop reviver, the crop preserver, which is all both uh, like ball deodorants. Comes with like a travel case, underwear. Yeah, anti chafing underwear. And some uh, the fake newspapers that turns out they're mats, so that you put them on the ground. Collect all your pubes. yeah Throw it out. Nice yep. little shaving mat and stuff. Yep.
3: But uh, yeah, the uh, little I gave my balls a little spritz coming out the shower today, so I need my nuts Andre three thousand and big boy because they are fresh and so
1: clean, clean. Hey, and I would say that if nothing else, <laughs> if you know the four it's a little bit over the top for you. You know what I mean? You just go into seventies jungles bush. At least. Get the fucking crop preserver and the crop reviver and mm, there you know, go freshen your shit up a mm. little bit And then they have a whole like suite of products. So they got lip balm. They got foot deodorant um, All the standard toiletries. Yeah, anything you want regular face trimmers Um, and anything you go anything you go and get use the promo code bad guy and it helps the podcast So you don't got to go get the you know lawnmower 4.0. oh. They got the uh, the man wipes Those are real yeah. Good too. yeah, so Get 20% off and free shipping with the code bad guy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code bad guy. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped. All right, we're back. So basically quack quack got caught, which got them, you know, where they're able to move their way up the chain. So now he's going to court and he's telling Neil, he's like, no more bullshit. I got to know what they know. And I got to go to court. I need these fucking tapes because we got to figure out what we're going to do. Neil's like, all right, well, we got to give them to them and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And John Gotti's like, look, we got the crew. We got his guys. We got everything planned out. We'll just take them out right now. You'll be the new fucking boss. We're good to go. He said, we give them these tapes. I'm dead. Angelo's dead. We're all done. And uh, Neil's like, look, I'll sit down for you but he's the boss, and he wants the fucking tapes. And uh, they said, we're in this position because you broke all the rules. So they said, don't sell drugs. And you, you sold drugs. And we said, don't talk. And Angelo won't shut the fuck up. And then now you got everybody in trouble, and now you want to kill the boss. And he's like, that's the biggest rule. So he's like, no. No. Bad John Gotti. Go sit there, You know? <laughs> yeah. like, no. like He's like, you're a fuck up, and you caused all this trouble. And now you just want to keep doing bad shit. He said, no. You ain't killing the boss, and we're going to give him the fucking tapes. And I will sit down on your behalf and fight for you. But if he says that you're dead, it's the call. You know yeah. what I mean? It is what it is. So John Gotti's like, well, fuck.
2: Like, dude. We, that we... sucks. <laughs> but yeah. this whole story, I'm sitting here thinking like, ah, Neil's going to flip. Ah, Neil, this is a character test. This man's straight. He's saying truth. It's it's almost <clears throat>
3: fucking, I can't fathom it. Why he's st- like, where his allegiance lies to this thing that's not in front of him. And he's, he has this allegiance to it, and then here are people that are in front of him, and he still got this allegiance to this ideal that is rooted in corruption yeah. and crime. It's fucking insane. He's, just, you know, he's, he's psyche
1: and shit. You don't see that much these days. But then Neil takes a bad turn. He gets really, really sick, and he dies of cancer on December 2nd, 1985. His funeral and wake were attended by over a thousand mourners, including a who's who of the National Crime Syndicate leadership. The two people that it was not attended by was Paul Castellano and his right hand man and driver, Tommy Bellotti, who he appointed his new underboss. So Gotti's like, well, Neil's dead. I'm not the underboss. He's going to fucking kill me. Fire up the plan. (laughs) And he puts his whole crew together. And on Monday, December 16th, 1985, at 526 p.m., Tommy Bellotti, driving Paul, pulled up at Spark Steakhouse in Mid- Midtown Manhattan. So it's Christmas season, thousands of people out on the street. As they pull up and they start getting out of the car, four gunmen, two on each side, all wearing trench coats and Russian-style fur hats, open fire into Paul and Bellotti as they stepped out of the Lincoln Town car, killing them both.
2: Merry Christmas. <laughs> He doesn't leave his house, and he's so paranoid, but, hey, that steakhouse was opened up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll hit that up. g fucking town car, though, baby. Right.
1: Yeah. So, Paul was hit six times. He was hit in the head, chest, and abdomen. Blotty was also shot six times in the head and chest. They're both dead on arrival. John Gotti and Sammy the Bull, who had planned the hit, watched from a nearby car, and after the shooting stopped, drove by to confirm that they were dead. Sammy the Bull had a gun on him, too. So he was also watching out for the police. So he was kind of like the rear guard. They had said it was like a do or die. They said, we're either going to, either the hit's going to go off or we're all going to die here today. Cause this has to be done. Like there's no backing out. So he actually told me, he said, look, if the cops come, we're shooting it out. Like it is what it is. Damn. And then he actually had four more. So there was eight shooters. He had the four principal shooters and then he had four shooters as backups to the original four.
3: Damn, and, and imagine, like, and I remember you referenced earlier the amount
1: of sway on Team
3: Neil. Just getting the the backup shooters to sign up for that fucking deal. Like, hey, if the cops show up, we're shooting it out. Like, wait? Uh, <laughs> run that by me one more time? Like, yeah, no, you heard me right. Like, you still down? Or I guess at that point, there is no still down, right? Like
1: well, that's what every... Every shooter, every person involved was all hand picked for every role, and it was one of those things where it's like, you know, like the Valkyrie, like the plot to take out Hitler or something. Like I know that's a far cry, but to them that was their do or die moment. Like we're taking over this family, and if this fails,
3: yeah, we're
1: all dead individually we were anyway. Dead anyways, right. So if we're gonna do this, we gotta do this right. Okay. And then the reason they did like the trench coats and the Russian hats was because they're like it's downtown New York and everything's all crazy. Like when shit starts to fly, like if they all look the same, they won't be able to describe anybody. Right. You know, yeah. it's like all they'll see is trench trench coats and Russian hats. So, yeah, not one person was arrested or charged or anything with the murder of Paul Castellano in front of Spark State House, And they were reporting it as a mob hit within like seven minutes of it happening. Yeah. Like Sammy the Bull said he was on his way home from the hit and they were already talking about it on the radio. Okay. He's like, this is fucking crazy.
3: And they got away with it.
1: After the murder of Paul Castellano, Tommy Bellotti. And it's considered one of the biggest hits in mob history. Now, it was only two people. Like, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre was seven. But it was also in the morning in a warehouse where it was quiet. Like, this was on midtown Manhattan. The streets in front of a, you know, huge steakhouse. Like, people were fucking everywhere. Yeah. So... That's one kind of one of the reasons it's considered, like, one of the biggest mob hits ever. And Paul Castellano, they called him the boss of bosses. So even though he wasn't respected in his family, all the other people that only seen the money, yeah.
3: they thought he was awesome. Love the fuck out of him, yeah. Well,
2: because they don't know
1: the whole ins and outs of
2: it. They just see, bro, this family's killing it. Yeah. yeah.
3: We're going to the White House over here. We got to take a boat to get to his palatial estate. It's estimated...
1: That during this run right here, where the Gambinos are kind of the biggest, that they had, they were at 250 made guys and about another 500 associates. Really? Wow. So that's a giant crime family. When you're talking about New York where you got five families, it was a giant family, and these motherfuckers were earning hand over fist. So after the death of Paul Castellano, John Gotti took over as boss of the Gambino crime family. Paul had a modest funeral service, followed by a 20-car procession yeah it makes sense man
2: well right well because it's his own people that did it
1: yeah and on top of that well just like what
3: he said that whole blue collar versus white collar mentality there's plenty more blue collar than white collar and just the whole like i'll fucking slap you in the face with my penis pump dick when you come over to fucking water to my house and you got to give me my shit at my kitchen fucking table and my underwear and fucking yeah so yeah after a while that shit adds up get you no mourners at your funeral apparently (laughs) i mean and shit maybe his fucking wife and his goddamn mistress weren't even there because at that point in time they were both disenfranchised so probably (laughs) was a little pathetic ass funeral
0: yeah man i mean all he had going for him was not snitching right yeah (laughs) and
1: some nasty ass chicken right (laughs) he didn't snitch and his cousin was a big shot yeah he fucking rode that shit to fucking old as fuck and millions of dollars Where'd that get you? Dead outside of a steakhouse. Yeah. Same way you got in the game. Yep, yeah. Yeah, back to steak. That's why he le- left the house at the end of the day. He's still a butcher at, at heart. A big no,
3: survivor Fucking tomahawk or some shit. I don't even know if tomahawks were.
1: Oh, he got him some
2: sparks. <laughs> it's not what he wanted.
0: <laughs> so say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. Last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again,
1: let me tell you. So you guys ain't seen a picture yet, but if we was gonna make a movie about Paul Castellano, who would you cast to play him?
0: Jeffrey Dean Morgan.
1: Negan? He's Harrison about six two. Ford. Harrison Ford.
3: I don't know, like I'm thinking of somebody who's like slippery, almost
1: douchebaggy. Negan for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> i was wondering if that was a good pick but now you're describing his pick like yeah sounds like him um here's a picture of paul castellano well i got a bunch but we'll go like through the age range so here's young paul hmm. so this is when he's arrested at 19 for okay robbing that clothing spot and then here's some uh old paul oh yeah that's
3: some mob boss look though, bro. I mean, them rosy fucking amber colored
2: glasses yeah. on the left. <laughs> if that dude came walking out at me in a silk robe, I would want to kill him too.
1: Right? You just drove up to his fucking mansion, and now you got he, He's in his robe and his slippers, and you got to hand him a fucking envelope full of your money that you were punching people on the street for. Yeah. Like he's fucking using his <laughs> he's using his goddamn dick pump to fuck the, <laughs> the maid and shit. <laughs>
2: The worst part is, you said he bragged about it.
1: Yeah, he told a group of his captains that he became passionate again
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> at a at a mob meeting. That's some fucking that's some fucking Catholic
3: Christian shit right there. I became passionate again.
1: Okay, uh, so are we good here, money wise? Uh, anything else?
3: Right. You
1: know. I heard you're having problems with your the cable, fire. motherfucker. Can I get Back. the fuck out of here? <laughs> Pants. And speaking of
3: cable, we we did cable, right? And guys, uh, I'm sorry. We don't run speak, cable behind cabinets. Speak. Well, I'm just saying. Sp- sp- we don't. And on top of that, uh, cable installation logistics aside, what I was trying to bring yeah. up was, I always used to say this when I was a cable guy. As a cable guy, you cannot choose who you're going to and everybody wants internet right like the sleaze balls i mean obviously all the listeners know like the fucking sleaze balls out there on the internet trying to get your information like the fucking from the penthouse to the doghouse, like, everybody fucking wants internet. Like, you can't choose your customers. So, imagine you're a fucking cable technician and you're getting sent to old Paul fucking Castellano's <laughs> house to figure out some ingress and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Holy shit, man. I mean, there's so many stories I could tell, like, be fucking put in awkward-ass positions. And you don't know. What is this person into? Why does this fucking jackass person who have this million-dollar house right mm. now, like why is there five bedrooms with no furniture in it? you know what i mean like I they all got rg-59 in them man i mean that's <laughs> what i'm saying like i used to run into that shit all the time like i i, I here i am kind of like fanboying out like maybe i was in some mobsters houses when i was in my cable in days but either way like you couldn't pick it man like you had to go to these motherfuckers houses and it's just wild to hear in this story that that that's how they got him, you know right. what I mean? That's how they got him, and some shit that would never. I mean, if 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 any of his guys knew anything about that, they would have never let some cabinetry <laughs> they them, pull your cabinetry down to fix right. your cable. They'd be like,
1: nah, that's that's not. Well, it was also early '80s, so nobody knew. Like exactly. cable was very very new. Yeah, cable you know? guys were wizards back then
2: and he, shit. He did that Jib Carries
1: like this is the sweet yeah. spot. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, right here. Yes. the the realest the like realest the wall like
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah
1: the realest part of that story is him saying no I can't do this we got to reschedule it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the realest part of it. that's oh, how he sold shit. it like that's a real cable guy yeah. shit so he got into the character he was talking to some cable guy and they were like look if anything's hard say you gotta leave you ain't doing it like that's what a real cable guy does and i was and i was in that
3: fbi agent's shoes once and i rolled that dice and it came up fucking snake eyes on me because i told a guy like i'm sorry man i can't do this wall fish i don't have the proper equipment with me and the guy's like what do you mean proper equipment you mean like a fucking string and a golf ball like i've I've thrown wires down walls a hundred times in my life like what do you mean you don't got the right equipment and i was like (laughs) Uh, I don't have the right tools. And he's like, drill bits? You need drill bits? I got them in the garage. Like, what do we need? And I'm like, uh, uh sir, I'm going to have to reschedule. I don't got the right equipment, all right? I, I told you this before. <laughs> like, he, like, fucking called me on, like, every step and shit. So imagine if those mobsters, like, like they fucking, they had done, like, some, elect- any sort of work before, and they're like, uh, interference from these cabinets? What the fuck do you mean? All the TVs are on that side of the house. The FBI agent's like...
1: Brruh, brruh, brruh. What the fuck do you do then? Anyways, got lucky. And not only that, but it's Tommy Bellotti. Yeah. Like, it's,
3: fucking... uh...
1: <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> he seems upset. Yeah. So next we got to do the DEF CON scale. Standard DEF CON scale is 5 to 1. 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. But on the Bad Guy podcast... There's no good guys. So five would be Lee Murray. Who's your crack deal in bank robbing kidnapper at one. You got the purple gang. Who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray, to the purple gang, where'd you rate Paul Castellano?
2: Oh, part of me really wants to say five just because towards the end of this, I really didn't like him. I'm going with the two because the bus... <laughs> <laughs> you just
3: blew my mind in yeah. both of those statements. Check's all, out. Right, all
2: right, go for it. So, I don't know, he came up, the beginning of the story, I'm like, oh, this dude's sweet. Like, he's kind of taking a different approach, and he's doing well. Like, he's a little scumbaggy, but whatever, you know, you gotta be in this business. But then, like, he became the boss of the bosses, you know, and it's like, respect. The stuff he'd been through, he was up there. He started putting bodies out, so even though he never had bodies, he was in control, and he kind of got wacky with it. So, like, just because he was vicious at that point, and just, bodies, bodies, that's where the two comes from, for real. Just because, like, towards the end, he started making, like, gruesome calls, I would say. But the gangster aspect, I thought he did pretty well before he got old and
1: weird and stuff. Uh, I'm going with a five. five? Yeah. Care Sorry. to elaborate? No.
3: I, just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. man this I, is I, wild.
1: Like, uh, I mean, he did get a little...
3: You know, he started putting hits out on people towards the end there, but... I don't know, he had no respect f- from
1: his guys. Such a chicken he, salesman from he, Brooklyn? he's
0: a chicken salesman.
1: Just Carlo's weird brother-in-law. His cousin and brother-in-law slash brother-in-law.
3: Oh, man, this is... I'm sorry, Tone. But I can't see how you give this guy a five. And this is my reasons why. I was also kind of confused about Bugs, how he was between the two and the five. So... I get That's like all the numbers. Like, (laughs) most of the numbers are between a 2 and a 5. But I can also understand it. I just figured you would have been more. But he went to the 2, and I'm going with the 2. And I almost, ah, you guys are going to fucking hate me. I almost wanted to give him a 1 just because of his bitch shit at the end where he was just killing motherfuckers because he thought that that's how... He could get people's respect, and he had the fucking weird murder trio, who the fucking roller coaster was named after, and fucking <laughs> Cedar Point and shit. And it, I, it, so anyways, what I'm saying is, is he gets a two for me because he was a boss, and Tank gives weight when you make it to be boss because people take was, people take there. authority and they take they take direction from authority. So when you're a boss of a mafia fucking organization, you know, that you are thumbs up in the the murders, whether it's happening on the street guys, whether it's happening, whether it, wherever it's happening, you're, you're, you're thumbs up in it. So anyways, he gets a three just for that. He gets a two because at the end he started with the fucking murder trio. And I, I had, I struggled to give him a one to be fair, but I mean, I am, you know three nine percent beers deep so i don't know if i'm just talking out of my ass but I, he's getting a two for me
1: well i mean there's definitely something to that so if you're if roy de is a gambino and he's got 250 bodies you're the boss yes those are your bodies like some of those right. not, was, i mean right i mean you and he
3: begged you for that. you have never like, killed
1: anybody kind of but i mean
3: he had a know? chance to to x that shit out but he lapped it up because it was gonna fucking benefit him and that adds to the scummy fucking bad guy side to him because he was so desperate he was like fuck yeah i'll take on these fucking wackos who will kill anybody i say for no reason oh
1: i forgot this whole fucking thing so now that we're about done <laughs> here, here's like a surprise part of the story that i forgot to tell you surprise, surprise. hey he
3: loves the uh defcon 5 so yeah. surprise bitches yeah. <laughs>
2: this,
1: this is my new segment surprise part of the story i didn't tell you this it might even been important, but no, uh, so when people really hated the, um, cause you were, you talking about how scumbaggy he was. So when he had the no drugs policy, like nobody in his family was allowed to sell drugs, but he had worked with this group called the, uh, Cherry Hill Gambinos, which were Sicilians that Carlo had like relationships with from like back in the old country and shit. Okay. And they weren't made at all. Like they weren't part of any organization organization. They worked independently like over in Jersey. Interesting. And uh, they were heroin smugglers, and they worked under Paul's umbrella and kicked him up money. But they weren't, you know, they weren't Gambinos. They were this side thing. But he took money from them, and that's another thing that like really made people hate him. They're like, well, look, so the rule is no drugs, but the rule is no drugs for us because we're main Ah,
3: loophole bitches. Right. That's the mafia's way, though, is like you're not allowed to snitch, but you could snitch on somebody else. So maybe you're not allowed to do it because you're under our umbrella, but these Gambinos that aren't Gambinos can do it because they're not. That's fucking, yeah. that's some Paul shit, if you ask me.
1: Right, yeah. So that was, uh, adds to his scumbagginess, right. is that he was like, well, they're not Gambinos. They're the Cherry Hill Gambinos, but they're not made. They're, yeah. they're some old Sicilian stuff. Like, yeah, like, they're your family. Like, they're <laughs> your guys' family from over there, right? Like, hey, stop. Yeah, exactly. No drugs. D- De- Capo. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Don't know what to tell you. (laughs) No drugs. No fucking drugs. So, I don't know. I think that made us land him around a two.
4: Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen?
2: DEFCON 2.
1: All right. So, uh, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening.
0: Deuces. Down bad. My mama had to be dead and my birthday's in the trap. We had to work with what we had. she been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus, my daddy in the box, and all my cousins in the can. Man. Man. and I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jokes, a hundred scams. Ay. Ay. so out of money, grab the hundred hams. Said, so I money grabbed a bunch of bitches. <coughs> and bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the men's. So fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm gonna crud for my mental, aid. ay. And I still keep it homie. Run and tell your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, ay. Yeah Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. by. Oh. I like my money at a fast pass. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I just did the dashway right? in a fast lane Let my money at a fast pace, look like Drag Race Control up in my ashtray, I'm on my bag yeah. Good girl, bad face, slim no waist and her ass fake yeah. And she in love with the bad guy yeah. But bad bitches never act right yeah. She act up until that bag fly Get her turn around in one night yeah. Say hello to the bad guy yeah. Good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I, I let my money at a fast pace. I, I say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Good guy coming last place. You smell the dope when I pass by. I, I let my money at a fast pace.